like, oh my gosh, Margaret Atwood has had yeah. our chocolate. And Fangirl moment. Just tweeted completely. We made it. Yeah. This is it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Why Bother, the podcast where we explore why creative makers bother doing things the hard way. I'm your host, Gareth Davies from Maker House, with our guest. We're honored today to have Erica Gilmore from Hummingbird Chocolate. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm happy to. Thank you. We're all huge fans and can't wait to hear more about behind the scenes, how Hummingbird got started, and what, you know why you bother to do chocolate like the hard way compared mm -hmm. to a lot of companies out there. We're going to start off with some fun, though, some rapid fire, something we like to call bother or not bother. OK, so you have two answers. OK. And I'm just going to ask you questions. And those are your options. All right. All right. Here we go. Coffee. Bother. Always. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> yeah, nice. Hey, business people got to keep going yes. and grinding. Okay. And we're going to talk about food flavors because you're in the food industry. Mm -hmm. uh, sour foods. Not bother. Not your thing. No. Okay. But obviously I'm going to guess sweet foods. Definitely bother. That's a big bother. Too much. <laughs> you, you're like feeding everybody sweets. Yes. Uh, okay. Pickles. Not bother. I don't see the point of pickles. <laughs> Oh, you, you, Unpopular opinion, probably. What about cucumbers? Uh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So like pre-pickles are cool. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> pre-pickles, yes. <laughs> you could just call them cucumbers. Uh, reading. Bother. Okay. Yeah. Big fan. Um, uh, do you do audiobooks or do you listen to podcasts? Not bother. Okay. No, I'm very much a visual person, I think. Okay. And, yeah. and you like that feel like the, yeah. the paper, the tactile feel. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, hiking. Bother as yeah. much as possible. Like yes. Get out and get in the woods, clear air. the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you live in Almont, right? That's where Hummingbird is based. Yes. Some good trails over there. So many amazing places to go. And within a five minute drive, we can be in a place that feels pretty wild. So, yeah, we're really yeah. lucky there. Yeah. It's a beautiful town, too. It is. Playing music or playing guitar. Bother. Yes. I play the guitar not very well. I know the same four chords for the last like 20 years. You can do a lot with four chords. It's true. Uh, I think Neil Young uses basically two chords most of the time. Yeah. So um, four chords is not bad. Amazing. All right. Thanks for playing Bother Not Bother. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, we're going to jump into some more serious questions. Of, of course, everyone wants to know more about Hummingbird. And you you actually worked in international development. Mm -hmm. I've learned prior to starting Hummingbird. What year did Hummingbird start? Yeah, so we started really as a business in 2012. Um, but we started uh, learning how to make chocolate, I would say, in 2010. So we've been doing the chocolate thing in a, at least a personal level um, for the last 13 years. Wow. You know, walk me through the transition from working in international development. Mm -hmm. I think there's a love story in here because of <laughs> course your, the co-founder is your husband, yes. Drew. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Drew. Hi, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why did you bother getting into making some of the world's best chocolate? Um, yes. Well, I do ask myself that almost on a daily basis, but, um, I think it's worth it. Yeah, Drew and I both have a background in international development. So um, I'd worked for the in the Peace Corps. Uh, I'm from the States, so we have Peace Corps, which is an amazing institution, I think. 
and uh, was in Zimbabwe for two years teaching English. And oh, wow. um, Drew had worked in the in the Balkans for many years, um, like Bosnia and uh, Kosovo, doing humanitarian aid work. So for um, organizations like CARE, for instance. Okay. And Where then did you meet? We met in Afghanistan um, after 9-11. So we were both there in 2002, I guess it was. Wow. So uh, right after 9-11, we went and um, I actually was working for a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C. And uh, Drew applied for a job with that organization. So I called him and interviewed him on the phone <laughs> and uh, said to my boss that uh, I thought we should hire this guy because yeah. he'd, he'd been in Afghanistan before and he had nice. all this experience with the UN as well. And um, so they hired him and sent him to Afghanistan. And then um, I had written a, a project proposal for a a project to help refugees who were returning from Iran okay. to build shelter shelter. And uh, it was funded by the state department in the U S and um, my organization said, uh, you wrote this project. Why don't you go help get it started in Afghanistan? Ooh. So they sent me there and we actually met in, in Kabul and worked together for a few months. And then he left that organization and went to work for the UN. Okay. And then after a few months we started dating um, yeah, because you're working and together. However, you date in in Kabul, which was a weird yeah. kind of situation, but yeah, uh, there were a lot of parties. So yeah, we met we met there. A lot of the work that we had done was with farmers, like in Afghanistan and uh, individually, and so that was our, our entree into learning about cacao farmers um, eventually and starting hummingbird chocolate. Okay, wow, and it all started with uh, the Peace Corps. So what happened next then that that took you from connecting with farmers, mm -hmm. learning about cacao and deciding you and Drew together, maybe we can make a, a career out of this or a business out of this? Yeah. So we, we spent a few years working in Afghanistan and then um, we decided to move to Canada. Um, we had our daughter. And at that point, I didn't want to go, um, of course, to to Afghanistan. You stopped anymore. traveling. A little I stopped bit. traveling. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of looking at things that we could do um, at home. And uh, we're, we're a little bit burnt out from the international development field. It's uh, it takes a toll. Definitely. I can only imagine. Yeah, uh, it's probably you. something people do in their 20s. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and if you keep doing it, it, it really does burn you out. Um, so Actually, Drew went to Haiti after the earthquake okay. in, in 2010, and uh, we were helping to build some temporary schools um, nice. there. And he met some cacao farmers while he was there. And I've always been a huge chocolate fan. So um, he was intrigued because I think like a lot of people in North America, we don't really understand where chocolate comes from, how it's made, right? Yeah. Uh, it's actually made from cacao beans, which are grow on a tree. And so in Haiti, he saw some cacao trees. He met some farmers. He um, started talking to them and it, it led to us just exploring a little bit about that industry, which is really problematic um, for, right. ma for many reasons. Yeah. And at that same time, the craft chocolate industry was kind of taking off. There were a few chocolate makers in the States. There were a few in Canada and um, we ordered some chocolate from a few companies and my first taste of a craft chocolate bar was just like, it was revelatory. It was, it was like a whole new food group that I didn't know existed. Yeah. It doesn't even compare, I think, to the chocolate that we eat growing up. So Drew convinced me that I would 
probably really be good at making chocolate because I was good at tasting chocolate. You got the palate, of course. That's yeah, half the battle. apparently I do. I didn't know that before. But yeah. um, anyway, we set up this mini little chocolate factory in our basement and started uh, just playing around with how to make chocolate, how to roast beans. Uh, it's this long 10 step process that you have to go through. Wow. And um, that led us to eventually selling at the farmer's market and yeah, and to where we are now. Wow. Wow, it's so cool to hear how it all started. Um, so you you chose chocolate because you had that interest, that that love, and you actually had a really good palate for it. Mm -hmm. Plus, just the, the serendipity of those connections with the cacao farmers. Yeah. Um, and you were looking to start a business. It sounds like that was just something you were driven to do after your international development work to build something mm -hmm. uh, for you and your family. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the thing that still excites me about chocolate is that it it kind of ticks all the boxes of what. I feel like I wanted to do to have a fulfilling life. Um, I we're supporting farmers with, um, you know, with as close to living wages as we can get yeah. um, right now in, in the cacao industry. Um, eating chocolate just makes people happy. Yeah. It's got uh, a lot of good quality. Yeah. yeah. And learning uh, more every day. Yeah. Uh, and then sourcing cacao beans from from co-ops or farms that are, are trying to do it in, in an environmentally friendly way by doing shade grown cacao growing and uh, and those kind of methods. So, yeah, those are all the things that are important to me and to our business. Yeah. So you've got your own social values that you were looking to align with your work. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing the, the backstory with us. We'd like to know something specific as well that that you do that that you do the hard way. Yeah. Well, I think our whole business is based on doing things the hard <laughs> way. Um, we're one of a few bean to bar chocolate makers in Canada. And I think this is something that um, a lot of people don't understand in the chocolate world is that we make our chocolate from scratch, starting with the cacao beans. And there is about a 10 step process to do that. It takes um, a month really to make our chocolate. And that's very different from the the industrial process of making chocolate, which you can do in you know a few hours. Because you start with already processed cacao. Right. Well, I mean, most of the chocolate that's out there on the shelves is made by just a few international companies, right? And yeah. then people are buying that bulk chocolate and melting it into bars or confections, um, but they're not making their own chocolate. Gotcha. And so we start from really from scratch as the chocolate makers versus yeah. being chocolatiers. And that's how you win international international awards. You, you mm -hmm. know, within a few years uh, yeah. out of your basement, you had yeah. produced a phenomenal product that was, you know, acclaimed across the world, um, winning gold and silver uh, medals at different competitions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that must've felt amazing. It did. The first, I think our first award happened maybe in 2014 and um, we submitted not thinking that we would really win anything. And it, it really was a validation from people who know, know fine chocolate yeah. <laughs> that, that what we were doing was um, was on the right track. So it was huge for us, definitely. Yeah. And it does help just uh, it helps people to understand that uh, that uh, it is different maybe than a Hershey bar. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And there's lots of value in the hard way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, so good for you. And Thank I'm so you. happy that you got the validation and, and you continue to get that from customers, um, including through stores like us. So we're yeah, thrilled absolutely. that we get to carry uh, a good selection of hummingbird chocolate. And if you are watching, you can see some of that on the table in front of us. If you're listening, definitely go to 
our website to find them or just go to Hummingbird Chocolate directly to see the whole thing. You can also find them in Almont. Um, mm -hmm. So connect through social media. You're going to want, if you don't already, uh, follow along the journey because Hummingbird's probably still getting, just getting started. Like, yes, it's got a long way to, to go. They're always doing fresh new takes on things. One more question before we kind of take a little break. Mm -hmm. Something we like to call the cost of convenience. Mm -hmm. This is something people choose to do the easy way. And, you know, there might be convenience, but is there a hidden cost to that? Um, what can you think of in your industry that might be a costly convenience? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I think buying, you know, inexpensive chocolate from the big chocolate companies is the big uh, is a big convenience for a lot of people, but there is a huge cost to that. Um, what one is just the, all the problems that are in the chocolate industry, which are just very low payment for cacao beans for farmers, labor standards, the, and the labor standards, um, for people who are working on the cacao farms, uh, definitely problems with child labor, uh, enslaved labor that are in, uh, in some of the the main countries where cacao is grown, yeah. uh, like Ivory Coast, uh, where the big companies are buying most of their cacao from. Yeah, it's something that people aren't aware of. There's a little bit of news about it every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, thank yeah. you so much for sharing all that background and your thoughts on uh, the industry as well. We're going to take a quick break. And for folks who are tuning in, please do like and, and share and subscribe so we can grow our following along with you folks. And you'll stay uh, in the loop when we have new episodes. And we'll be right back with Erica from Hummingbird. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Why Bother, the podcast where we explore why creative makers bother doing things the hard way. I'm here with Erica Gilmore from Hummingbird Chocolate today. Thanks Hello again, again for joining us. And we're going to get into some fun facts to stir up the conversation here. So in my research as a podcast host, it's a very important part of my job mm -hmm. to do a little Googling. A cacao tree can live for up to 200 years, I've learned. And it may only produce beans for around 25 of those years. Now, each cacao pod will produce around 50 to 70 beans. Mm -hmm. And that, I think of this like a bean in the garden, but it must be big because it's got a lot of Mm -hmm. quote unquote beans in it. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Uh, sure. Do I have my facts straight? Um, yeah, I think mostly. Um, so cacao trees. Um, yeah, 200 years probably sounds right. I, I imagine most of them don't live that long, but okay. um, and they I'm guessing they can produce for longer if they're properly taken care of. But okay. I, I don't know that for sure. I think uh, cacao people should Google what a cacao tree looks like if they haven't seen one, because yeah. they're very cool looking. They look like a Dr. Seuss kind of tree, I think. Oh, with nice. The pods just grow outside, like off of the trunk. It looks really weird when you first see one. Yeah. Um, but the pod is the fruit of the cacao tree. So yeah. they're, they can be quite large, like the size of a football. Wow. And um, inside are, yeah, about 50 to 70 beans, which are really the seed of, of the fruit. And um, they look like beans, which I guess is why they're why they're called beans. Okay. And they're covered in this like white pulp. And so if anyone ever has the opportunity, you should definitely taste the pulp. It's like sweet and tangy. Oh, cool. Um, and you just suck the pulp off of the bean. You definitely don't want to eat it at that point because it's kind of bitter. The bean itself. Don't eat the bean, unquote, just bean. just eat the pulp. But yeah, about one pod 
has, as you said, 50 to 70 beans, which is about how many beans it takes to make our 70% uh, chocolate bars, oh, our wow. 60 gram bar. So one pod per bar. So like some of the bars we have in front of us or mm -hmm. folks can find, if you're listening, you can find them online. We put the links down below. Um, so like the Fleur de Sel, that's mm -hmm. the most popular bar that we carry. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would be about one pod worth of, of beans. Exactly. Yeah. Which go through your 10 step process, obviously. Yeah. And even like before they come to us, they're fermented at the farm and then they're dried in the sun at the farm. So fermented five to seven days, dried in the sun for five to seven days, then wow. packed in big jute bags and, uh, and then sent up to us in Canada. Wow. Yeah. Tell me about the environmental values. And we talked about some of the labor issues in the chocolate industry. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the environmental issues? You mentioned shade grown chocolate mm -hmm. uh, or cacao. And, and then another thing we hear about is heavy metals sometimes yeah. in chocolate. What should people know about or, or you know, consider when they're yeah. thinking about those things? Yeah, I think um, I mean, one of the things that that makes makes us and other chocolate makers in the craft industry different is that we are sourcing cacao beans from uh, areas that are are shade grown and um, tend to be longstanding family farms uh, that are are intercropped with other trees like banana trees and. Um, and so it's really an agroforestry system that supports wildlife uh, like our Zorzel um chocolate is made from cacao beans that come from a bird sanctuary wow. and it was created to protect um, a bird called the Bicknell's thrush which does come to our area in Canada oh, really? in the summer and then it winters in the Dominican Republic and um, there was a group that discovered that its wintering habitat was being cut down for cattle farming okay. which is a big a big um, reason that that a lot of uh, cacao farms and forests are cut down um, is for cattle grazing, especially in places like Brazil. Okay. Um, but anyway, they've saved over a thousand acres and 70% of that wow. is wild. We were just there in March and got to, got to go visit. And then the rest of it is growing cacao and, uh, and other fruit trees. And, um, it, I think it's just a great model of, of how you can create a business that's also supporting the environment and, and other farmers around have kind of signed on to also create an agroforestry system in their own land. And I love the the, the diversity of the, you said it's an agroforest Forest, yeah. system. Mm -hmm. It's not about like monoculture, you know, yeah. we're only going to grow cacao mm -hmm. or we're only going to raise cattle. Yeah. Because um, sustainability is about like, um, complementary uh, growth, basically. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and farming. So, does that prevent things like metals from the soil getting into uh, the the beans themselves? No, that that really doesn't. So, there there have been a lot of um, news articles about cadmium and lead, which are, are heavy metals that in in large quantities are are not not good for our, our systems. Um, and that's really just, they occur naturally in the soil in some places. Okay. Um, we've tested all of our beans and they're all very low for cadmium and lead. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely something that some groups of people need to be concerned about. I know it can be a big issue for pregnant women and for, for some people with other health issues, but so far, um, the health Canada has, has not raised any concerns about the levels in chocolate. but, um, yeah, in the meantime, 
we we have kind of let people know who've reached out to us what what our levels are for our for our beans. That's great. You did the work to answer those questions, which yeah. is really important. Um, tell me, when you first got into this industry, who were your biggest supporters? Yeah. So, you know, Drew and I had a completely different careers before this. Yeah. And um, so I think some of our family and friends thought we were kind of crazy when we <laughs> said we're going to start making chocolate. But um, anyone who knew me thought that made sense because I'm like such a chocolate fanatic all, a all of my life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say that my grandpa and my mom were my biggest supporters in the early days because oh, they were nice. the ones that like were constantly had chocolate around and letting me eat it. Oh yeah. Um, but our, our family was really supportive to the, to the point of really even investing in our, our business in the early days and, and helping us take off. So, um, that we couldn't have done it really without a lot of them. Yeah. That's so great to get like, not just moral support, but they're actually giving you some financial support and yeah. investment. And I'm sure it paid off for them as well, yeah. uh, to be part of a growing company. So Good on you, family. You made the right call. <laughs> Thanks, family. <laughs> <laughs> That's what family's for. Yeah. Why did you name it Hummingbird? So we love birds. Um, I really love birds. And I grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania. And um, my mom would have had bird feeders out on the porch. And there would be like 30 or 40 hummingbirds kind of buzzing around you. I don't know. We wanted an, uh, something on the label that was an image that would kind of attract people. And so uh, a hummingbird made sense. And then we realized that there are hummingbirds that migrate between Canada and Latin America, which is where all of our beans came from initially right. and, and still right now. So we liked that kind of connection of of the, the migratory bird coming back and forth. Uh, it really fits with your whole story. Everybody's going to want to know, we ask a lot of our guests, what's a big business disaster or crisis that you might have experienced, you know, you've been around for 13 years and it's not all mm -hmm. good days. Um, well, anyone in the chocolate world would know that equipment disasters are like common. Oh. So we have, we have a lot of those, um, unfortunately just chocolate seizing. So we have, we have these big grinders and they run for three days and three nights wow. constantly. And that's what actually refines the chocolate and makes it smooth. If one of those breaks over the nighttime when we're not there, yeah. um, we've had, you know, spills or we've had just the power go out. And then you have right. we have 10 of those running and um, then they turn off. And even when the power comes back on, they don't turn back on. And so you've got just like this solid 60 kg of chocolate Oof. in in a something. Mid process. So, yeah, so that's happened a few times. Um, the other big one is in our early days, we had just ordered a big shipment of cacao beans and they were being stored in uh, a New Jersey warehouse. And then a hurricane hit uh, later that day. I cannot remember the name of that one, but it flooded like a lot of New Jersey yeah. and including the warehouse where our cacao beans oh, no. were. And we were almost out of beans and it was right before Christmas. So it was a really, really bad timing for us. Oh, that's panic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so. So like, what do you do when something like that happens? Well, it was a lesson in always having way more cacao beans and ingredients on hand than okay. you think you need because you never know when something like that's going to happen. Um, we were able to get some from the West Coast, thankfully, okay. and it kind of held us over through the season. But Good there was you. a few days of kind of panic and what angst. Ifs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. All right. Now, on the flip side, uh, do you have any tips for people who might be just starting out or thinking about starting a, a crafty business like this? Yeah. 
I think that one of the things that I'm glad that we did um, was to grow pretty slowly. Um, we, I think chocolate making is pretty complicated. If a lot of people knew how hard it was, yeah. um, they who, who've gotten into it, they might not have started it if they'd really, <laughs> really done their research yeah. from some of the people I've talked to. And wow. so sometimes I, I think, oh, well, I wish we'd just jumped to having this larger equipment earlier. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that all of the sort of testing on smaller pieces of equipment and taking our time to really learn our craft were really important to us being able to make something that's, I think, really delicious. And if we hadn't taken that time and really done that experimentation, we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are because the basis of our business is that we have something that tastes amazing. And if we don't have that, we don't have anything. So I think making sure that 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 is solid before growing is a really important lesson that um, that I'm glad that we kind of lucked into. The other thing is to find other people that know parts of your business um, that you don't know better than you. I said that in a really weird way. No, I, that makes like recognize sense. where your weaknesses are and find people that can help you. Thanks for sharing mm -hmm. your tips. Sure. Um, and uh, hopefully it's helpful to some of the people who might be watching or, or listening. We are going to take a quick break now and uh, we're going to come back for our third and final segment where we'll get to sample some food products from the store, dive in a little bit more mm -hmm. on some questions. So thanks for watching or listening. Uh, please be sure to like, share and subscribe if you can. And we will be right back. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Why Bother with your host, Gareth from Maker House and Erica from Hummingbird, our guest today. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're going to do some fun food sampling now. So for folks who are listening, we will do our best to describe the flavor. For folks who are watching, you get to see it. And we are sampling something we carry at Maker House, something you also have. Yeah, we have at our Hummingbird Cafe as well. Amazing. County Bounty. Yeah, yeah, County Bounty. So uh, why is it named County Bounty? You know about this, so you can describe it for people. Yeah, it's uh, made in Prince Edward County, I believe. And uh, it's made with a lot of local local products and fruit. So we're sampling the sparkling watermelon iced tea. I'm going to open it near the mic here for people. All right. I'm excited. I haven't had this one yet. Yeah, it's a new one for uh, Dodie Ellen Bogan is the founder, the owner of County Bounty. So shout out to Dodie. So there you go. Definitely get the watermelon. What do you think? I get the watermelon and um, yeah, the, you get the kind of tannic tea flavors at the end. It's nice. It's really subtle, but uh, the, those flavors work well together. All her stuff works. Mm -hmm. It's not like um, it's not uh, without sweetness, uh, like a lot of like the bubles or like yeah. the mineral waters. Those to me, like I might as well just have a glass of water. Right. Some people love them. It's great, mm -hmm. uh, but they're not sweet enough or flavorful enough. Yeah. But it's not overly sweet, which I really yeah. like. So it's uh, the perfect kind of balance of sweetness. It's totally. also nicely carbonated, but not crazy carbonated. Yeah, she finds the right balance. Go County Bounty. Always great to, to see another local business succeeding in like a niche that, uh, you know, currently is filled by big business. Right? Exactly. With yeah. uh, Pepsis and Cokes out there. So yeah. um, enjoy those uh, either at Maker House, Hummingbird, direct from County Bounty or other local establishments near you. <laughs>
All right. Now back into the conversation, which famous person would you choose to spend a day with if you could? I'm going to go with Margaret Atwood, which oh. would, would not surprise anyone Legend. at work. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think she's amazing. Um, one, I'm a huge reader, and so I just admire all of all of her work. And I think she's she's an amazing person. Every interview I've seen with her is, um, you know, she's just so witty and funny, but, yeah. but also, um, advocates for so many important issues as well. Totally. Um, and we're both, well, I know her husband, her husband who passed was a huge, um, bird fanatic okay. and, um, I'm also pretty crazy about birds. Yeah. So I, I think we also have that in common. Oh, but I would nice. be afraid to spend the day with her because I think I'd just be tongue tied the whole day. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I'd be nervous to meet her, and then she'd probably yeah. set you at ease because she's Margaret Atwood. I think she would. She's yeah, cool like I, I think she would be cool to spend the day with. Yeah, I can only yeah. imagine, and she probably would be in awe of what you do. She has had our chocolate, I know, oh. and she did um, congratulate us in a tweet when we uh, won an award one time, and so I did go like racing through the factory when I saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh, Margaret Atwood has had yeah. our chocolate and Fangirl moment. just tweeted yeah. completely. We made it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Now we're going to do something we like to call the point of connection. Mm -hmm. And this is talking about how human connection factors into your business or your life. Mm -hmm. I think um, our business is all about connection really. I mean, the, one of the big things is is farmers and uh, the groups that we work with to source our cacao. Uh, we we do try to go visit those as often as we can. We were able to go to Dominican Republic for the first time in the last few years um, in March and and just connect with what was happening there. Awesome. And um, and then the other thing, I mean, the reason that I'm happy to come to work every day is just is our our customers. Um, we've had people who've like wanted to give me hugs because the chocolate means so much to them. Oh. Um, and, you know, I've had stories about um, the, this one woman I'm thinking of in particular who came to see us from Montreal and she would just kind of hated her job <laughs> and she would allow herself a piece of our chocolate every day in the middle of the day at work. And oh, wow. she was just telling me about how that was what got her through her day and how <laughs> important it was to her. And people who tell us that they gift it every Christmas to family members or it's what they have in their stockings, like that's that's the reason to do what we do. Um, it's just it seems like such a small thing, chocolate. Um, but I think that it can really those small things are what bring us joy and um, can get get us through hard times. And yeah. so it's uh, it's really special to be part of that for for people yeah very well said and and you are like the hub of connecting all these people from the farmers in latin america mm -hmm. to the customers in helmont right. in ottawa and beyond you're you're mm -hmm. across canada you're probably selling into the u.s so good for you thank um, you you know connecting all the dots and it's hard hard work um so thanks for getting out of bed every morning <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're making a huge difference out there and now we're going to kind of wrap up. So can you tell people what is the big focus for Hummingbird this year? Mm -hmm. And, you know, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So um, we have uh, our our 
I'll call it a factory, but it's, it's, you know, not, not huge, uh, in Elmont. And we also have a cafe and a store there. People can come and they can have, uh, one of, I think seven different types of hot chocolate or, oh. or have it iced. Um, we started making gelato in our, no in our way. factory. And so you cannot um, go wrong with gelato. Yes, we have. As if you weren't cool enough already. <laughs> I ate way too much gelato over the summer. <laughs> you got to um, test it out, right? Yeah. You do. Yeah, you do. Um, so yeah, I hope people will come visit us in Elmont. You can kind of see all of the production happening through windows. We wanted to make it, um, make it a place where people can come and learn about how chocolate is made and be really transparent about what we're doing um, back there. So you can watch our chocolate makers um, who sometimes don't enjoy that too much, but they'll usually wave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, if you're not in, in the area, you can find us online and um, in over 200 stores, I guess, around Amazing. Canada right now. That's so cool. All right. So we'll make sure to put links down below for people who want to find you online. And, and a huge thank you to our guest, Erica. And thank and you. Drew as well, uh, a hummingbird, um, for, for lending you for the day, because I'm sure there's lots to do over there. And yeah, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only, uh, you know, 20 some staff uh, producing some amazing uh, uh, products. But yeah, thank you for joining us in the podcast. It was mm -hmm. an honor to meet you. And uh, thanks for listening and watching. We will see you all next time. Bye.